VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, good morning if you're on the East Coast, and good afternoon on the West Coast, and good morning if you're on the East Coast. I'm Patricia Raskin. Welcome to Positive Living. This is the program that shows you how to turn your challenges into opportunities, your problems into solutions, how to really make your dreams come true. That's what this program's all about. I've been doing this work for many, many years, and it's my passion and purpose, and each week I have on fabulous people, and this week is no exception. You can call us, folks, if you are listening live today. And as soon as I get my date out, we will tell you, because otherwise the show is archived and you can listen at any time on the archive show. But if you're listening today, which is April 14th on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific, call us. We would love to hear from you. We're talking about relationships, codependency, and counterdependency with two experts. And the number is 866-472-5788. We're talking about why we sometimes fly away from intimacy when we say this is what we want the most. My guests today are Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, both PhDs. Their book is Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, The Other Side of Co-Dependency. Doctors Janae and Barry Weinhold have served for over five decades as licensed mental health professionals. Barry is licensed as a psychologist and Janae is a professional counselor. They are the authors of Breaking Free of the Codependency Trap, which was a classic on codependency and sold over 85,000 copies. And they are co-founders of the Carolina Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership near Asheville, North Carolina. And you can log on to Weinhold's dot com, which is W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S dot org, not dot com, dot org. Welcome, Janae and Barry. Thanks, Patricia. Thank We're you. so glad to be here. <laughs> Good. Good well, to be you on know, your show, Patricia. I'm reading over these things and I'm saying, ah! <laughs> it's interesting because, as we said before we began the show and I was talking to you off air, we all have some codependent and counterdependent behaviors, don't we? Well, that's what we discovered, and, and as you probably know from looking through our books, uh, everything that we write comes out of our own laboratory. So mm-hmm. we discovered this by trying to have a long-term relationship, and we could see us push away at times and then, you know, sort of chase the other person. And in this dance of relationship, we could surely see both those pieces in our own yeah, selves. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the differences. First, give us a brief definition of codependency, then counterdependency, and what's the difference? Um, people who struggle with codependency issues are people who don't like their partner to go too far away. They tend to feel anxious or secure if insecure if people you know try to create too much separation and they tend to cling they tend to be very other directed and they focus on the needs of other people so they're very other focused other other directed and they tend to give their power away they tend to have lower self esteem and uh, they have difficulty uh, 
kind of in this dance because they're the ones that want want the partner to stay close. And so we recognize that that's all related to the issues from people's uh, development during the first six months. But the counter-dependency piece is quite different. Yeah, uh, counter-dependency, we see uh, the, the, the characteristics of, of people with counter-dependent behaviors are people who really have trouble getting close to people. Uh, they have trouble mm-hmm. sustaining that closeness in their intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And they also tend to uh, have trouble feeling their feelings other than some kind of justified anger or sometimes sadness. They have fears of other people controlling them. Uh, they tend to say no to the new ideas of others, and they tend to rebel or move away from people who try to get too close to them. In other words, they're really pushing people away uh, and there are good reasons for why people have each of these, and we've, in our book, looked at uh, none of, any of them as diseases, but basically the um, the leftover uh, effects of whatever kind of uh, early kind of parenting they, uh, people had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, Do you think, um, you know, sometimes what happens is, and of course divorce is so rampant, what is it, 60%, 15%, 60%, even the second or third marriages, but do you think that you can get it right, you know, maybe the second time, maybe the third time, that, and you've been back and forth and you've been the dance of both codependent and counterdependent or you've <laughs> chosen unavailable men or men who are available but really aren't or whatever, or women by the same token. Can you get it right finally? Well, you're asking the experts on that because Barry, I'm Barry's third wife and he's my second husband. <laughs> And we now have a long-term relationship. We're in our 24th year. So uh, I think the key that you're, you're really kind of um, uh, trying to identify here is it's not about do we have baggage. It's not about do we have trauma. It's really about how those things get contexted in the relationship. And we, we, we laughed and said, you know, there's nobody better to write about trauma than the two of us, particularly early trauma, because we had so much. We both had extremely traumatic first years of life. And when we could really acknowledge that that's where a lot of our struggles with codependency and counterdependency came with from, then what we, we decided to do was close the exits and find out how to heal that. So we kind of like put it on the table very early in our relationship and said, you know, we can, this can either blow us apart or it can take us deeper. And so we chose to go looking for tools and techniques and a framework that would support us doing the healing work. Yeah. You know, you have lots of characteristics here about what's codependent and what, what is counterdependent. I think my first question is, when you're working with people who really want the relationship to work, and but it isn't, are there certain um, sort of main pointers that you give folks, or is that too broad? I mean, are there certain do's and don'ts that we often just don't pay attention to but we need to know? Yeah, there are, Patricia, and, and we've worked a lot with couples and Often we're the last resort on the on the way down to sign the divorce papers. Someone said, "Well, why don't you go see a counselor or a therapist?" And so they come to see us, and uh, they tell us about their story, which is very typically is when we first got together, everything was wonderful, and we had such a great time together, and we were so much in love. And then we just started to have fights all the time, and now we can't stand to be around each other anymore. And my usually my first response to that usually is, "Well, congratulations." 
And they look at me sort of strangely. But what I mean is that generally the relationship uh, at the beginning is so uh, uh, is superficial enough that the whatever is not unfinished from your past doesn't show up right away. But when it gets safe enough and close enough, then people's issues start to show up. And what people mm-hmm. lack is skills. They don't know how to deal with that when that happens. They didn't. No one ever taught them how to deal with that. And so a lot of our work with couples was really just skill building, talking, teaching them how to relate to uh, each other in new ways and how to resolve conflicts when they come up. Many people just don't know uh, much about conflict resolution. And so we've actually written about that. We have another book on, on the whole subject of conflict resolution. And those are the kind of things that when we work with couples, we really... Uh, found very useful, and they found very useful. Sometimes in a short amount of time, like four to six sessions, couples could totally turn it around and find a new way to relate to each other and, and stay together. Another factor that we found in, in, in uh, working with couples is actually that people who have been through several relationships turned out to be our best clients because we would get them and say, oh, you guys have been in relationship school a lot. And going through different kinds of relationships where sometimes, you know, there were, there were the party who played out a more codependent behavior, and then in the other another relationship they would play out a more counterdependent um, behaviors. And so it gave people really a lot of... Um, information that they could look at where do they get stuck and the kind of people that they draw to them and and there's often that life experience that's very a rich source of harvest for har- people harvesting their their understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and once they can start to connect the dots about well I do this because of that then there is this great sense of it all kind of making sense to people and we also yeah. found that these were the people, the ones who had had several relationships and maybe were, you know, later in their 30s or even in their 40s and 50s, were people that we had the best success with because there's a certain place, I think, Patricia, that people get to where they just say, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't just yeah. break up and start over and break up and start over. It's too painful. And yeah. so when people would say, all right, I know so I have it, to it's, I know I have to Basically what you're it. saying is, you know, at some point you have to be able to say, I'm, this isn't working, and face it and really be willing to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Yeah. And, and you know it's not working because either it seems very simple in a way, either the person's pulling away from you or they're pushing too hard toward you. Right. right. Something's happening that's not feeling right. And it's really about saying, okay, this, there's something important I need to learn about this. And rather than saying there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with the other person, there's something wrong with the relationship, it's not the right thing. It's more about saying how can we work on this together? How can we use our, our past to make a different future? And we found that relationships, and conscious relationships, when people really say, okay, I realize where this all came from. It all I brought it with me to the relationship. You brought your stuff with you to your to the relationship as well. Let's work together to see if we can help each other. And when couples mm-hmm. come to that place and decide to work cooperatively instead of competitively with each other, all kinds of positive things happen. Yeah. Well when we come back after the break, I want to talk about with you about Counterdependency, because that's what your book is about, mm-hmm. and about folks who do things that push relationships away, mm-hmm. or 
Or the other thing is that they either pick unavailable people or they pick people who are available but are very difficult Mm -hmm. or they're very difficult Mm -hmm. or they're afraid of intimacy. And I think those would be things that we really need to to chat about next. Oh, we look forward to that. Okay. My guests are husband and wife team, Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, both PhDs. Their book is The Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counter-Dependency, The Other Side of Codependency. And if you're listening, listening live today on April 14th between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon Pacific, you can give us a call at 866-472-5788. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, and we have a great program for you today. We are talking about relationships. We're talking about intimacy in relationships, and how can we have intimacy rather than being either codependent, which is too enmeshed, or counterdependent, pushing away, and how can we create that balance? My guests today are husband and wife team, Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, both PhDs. 
Their book is The Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, The Other Side of Codependency. They are co-founders of the Carolina Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership near Asheville, North Carolina, and their website is weinholds.org, W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S dot org. They have both served for five decades as licensed mental health professionals. Barry is a licensed psychologist and Janae is a professional counselor. And their book, Breaking Free of Codependency, Trap, is a classic book on codependency that sold over 85,000 copies. Welcome back, Janae and Barry. Thanks. Okay, and folks, if you're listening and you have questions on being codependent or counterdependent in relationships, the relationship is not working the way you'd like it to, give us a call if you're listening live on April 14th between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern or between 11 and noon Pacific at 866-472-5788. If not, this show is archived online on voiceamerica.com. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because it's in your book and you talk about... Uh, the, t- the typical addiction model and how you try to get away from that. But there is a piece in here about love addiction versus sex addiction and that you put them together. But you also say that you don't really want to use that word because then it makes people feel like they can't get out. Talk about that. Yeah, it's a really, we try to avoid diagnosis and, and labels that, that uh, talk about uh, identify a person like an alcoholic or a sex addict. We talk about people who have behaviors of codependency or, or have codependent behaviors or counterdependent behaviors, but we really avoid those labels and, and diagnoses as, and really look at it more as a developmental problem. And, and really in that way, it's often easier for people to understand and also they don't have that shame that often is attached to having uh, being labeled some kind of having some kind of disease. Yeah, I also think too that if you then label yourself it's like you're doomed with the scarlet A on your chest. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain hopelessness about that that I think stops people from developing. Yeah. Here's the question. Let's say you do one of these things. I'm going to name about five things that people do mm-hmm. that they might put shame on. And I'm going to ask you how they can work with those and accept them as part of themselves without um, shaming and blaming themselves so that they become labeled. Okay. okay. All right. Here are five of them that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Um, you're an exploder and you push your relationship away, you really love the person, but you can become, let's say, abusive at times, they're verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another one can be that you're single and you choose unavailable men, either men in relationships, whether they're married or in a relationship, and you have a tendency to do that. Um, and, and for women, too. I'm, I'm using men for women, but also men who do this with women. Right. Um, another one might be that um, you really have trouble um, expressing your feelings. So you're always in a state of um, either anger or frustration, not being understood because you're not really speaking your truth. Mm-hmm. Those are three. Are those okay? Those are good enough? Yeah. What you're really describing, Patricia, are symptoms of people who have had trauma. And when people recognize that there was something traumatic that happened, maybe they don't remember it, but those are the kinds of things that people do 
to avoid pain, to avoid suffering, to avoid feeling feelings or even remembering memories that are either, you know, extremely painful or maybe even out of their awareness. So when we talk about it as symptoms of trauma and we begin to think about, well, if a person had something traumatic happen to them, of course they would have these behaviors. And that moves us into looking at what's right about people's behavior. And from that place of thinking about, well, something happened, and of course they're behaving like that, what we start to feel is empathy. And from empathy we can go into compassion. So there's not judgment. There's not stigma. And there's no shame around that. It's like, oh, it's like saying, well, I have a, I have a, you know, I have a scar here on my leg where I was in a bicycle accident when I was, you know, seven years old. So we just have like psychological scars, and those scars appear as behaviors, particularly with people who have uh, trauma during the like six months to uh, thirty-six month period. Those are the people who are the the most likely to run away from a relationship. Okay, but now once you realize that and you stop blaming and shaming yourself and you realize what it is, how do you start to release yourself from it or accept it as part of yourself and when you do that, slowly move away from it? What people are experiencing is that once they're able to connect the dot, that I'm not a bad person, I'm not a mean person, and I'm not, a, you know, some sick or crazy person. I'm a person who got wounded. And when the, there is this ability to feel compassion for themselves, then people then start to look at what happened to me. You know, it's, it opens a line of inquiry. It's more of a, a curiosity rather than a judgment because now people are saying, well, I'd like to know what happened. So, you know, if I can deal with it, what happened in the past, maybe I don't have to have this thing as a barrier to my to intimacy in my adult relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry, what are some of the most common things that people come to you for? Well, I've worked a lot with men in my practice as well. We worked a lot with couples. But men who came to me often uh, had trouble with relationship. They were very successful. I had a lot of professional people in my practice, uh, lawyers, doctors, engineers, uh, people in all different professions. But they they were successful out in the world of work. But when it came to relationships, they really felt like failures. And they didn't know why, and many times they needed a lot of support and mirroring about, well, gee, you know, what you're, what you're experiencing, first of all, is fairly typical, and also it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, because many of them came with a lot of shame and, and self-condemnation about uh, what that they couldn't make relationships work for them. And so that was my first step with, with men, was just to give them a lot of reassurance and support that they didn't ever seem to get, and and then to help them look at, I know with with men sometimes you have to use different kinds of language, like with engineers and and the computer people we talk about. Well, you may have a faulty OS operating system. Mm-hmm. There's some software in your that needs to be edited and changed in your operating system in order to help you uh, learn how to. Uh, um, be more effective in your relationships, and well, that, that would get their curiosity. And then we talk about 
of what is in your operating system and where did it come from and how did you create how was that created and what was your family like and, and what kind of trauma might have been there and so you kind of get them to connect the dots and begin to see that what they are uh, experiencing is not something awful it's just something that a bug got in their system because of the experiences they had early on and it's now showing up and then the other thing I do is say well you know you know what the the, the, the natural learning style of human beings is? And I say, well, what's that? And I say, well, you just, human beings repeat things over and over again until mm-hmm. they understand them. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing right now in your relationships is repeating the traumas that you had as a child that you didn't understand and you didn't know why they happened and they caused some kind of glitch in your operating system and now you want to try to, you're, you're, you want to try to get those uh, cleared up and understand them so that you can move on. And and then helping them do that, to connect the dots with what happened to them in the past of what's happening to them in their current relationships, actually gets them far beyond the, 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 the guilt and the shame. And they start to then say, oh, wow, well, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe there is not. You see, shame is something that says there's something wrong with me. Guilt is something I did something wrong. But shame says uh, there's something wrong with me. And so it, a lot of the... Men I came I uh, came to see were men who had a lot of shame built into them. Mm-hmm. Right, and Janae, do you find that um, it's different with women, or really the same, or do you think that they're wired differently? Well, it's been interesting, sort of tracking this whole codependency, counterdependency idea through uh, my own uh, work with women as clients. When I first began working with women, oh, back in the mid to late 80s, a lot of the women were struggling with codependency. It was sort of coming on the tail end of the whole women's movement and and this understanding that women, you know, could be equal partners with men, and they were pushing away from their dependency. Um, the interesting thing was that there was so much stigma around it because a lot of that early literature and, and hype that people got into really had, you know, it was like it went from being an I am an alcoholic to I am a codependent. And eventually I think there was some backlash against that because it was just, I don't know, there was something about it that got so burdensome the women felt like they, <laughs> it was just as bad to be codependent, you know, as it was to have some other kind of disease. And over a very short period of time, maybe two or three years, I saw a lot of women flip right into being counter-dependent. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they would get divorced and they would say, you know, I'm not going to be anybody's caretaker. I'm tired of taking care of, you know, doing kids' laundry and being their handmaidens. And so they would sort of go cold turkey from relationships. And then they got very, very lonely and they started to think, well, there's something wrong with me that I can't really have a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. So... There's been a kind of evolution in, and now what I'm seeing is that there are a lot of women who are saying, well, I'm sure not codependent anymore, but you know I'm not really happy. And trying to figure out if I'm not being everybody's caretaker, why Mm. I should be really happy, but I'm not. (laughs) Well, after the break, let's talk about what are some things that people can do to move toward the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, some healthy behaviors that you see that 
maybe have been scary for some people, mm-hmm. but some things people can practice in relationship in general to move them more toward the interdependent relationship. Okay. My guests today are Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, husband and wife team. They're both PhDs. They are the author of authors of the new book, The Flight from Intimacy. Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, the Other Side of Codependency. And they are co-founders of the Carolina Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership near Asheville, North Carolina. Their website is wineholds.org. And again, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. If you have a question, call us after the break, 866-472-5788. We'll be Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women and Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And we have a great show on today. You can give us a call at 866-472-5788. 
if you're listening on Monday, April 14th, between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon, p- 11 and noon Pacific. My guests today are husband and wife team, Janae and Barry Weinhold. They're both PhDs, and their book is The Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, The Other Side of Codependency. Doctors Janae and Barry Weinhold have served for over five decades as licensed mental health professionals. They are co-founders of the Carolina Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, and you can log on to weinholds.org. Welcome back, Janae and Barry. Let's talk about what's good, what's normal, what's interdependent, what's partnership. We have a sense of what's counterdependent. We have a sense of what's codependent. What can we start? What are the healthy behaviors we can start working toward? Well, part of what we're talking about, I think, is really an, a vision of relationships that's beyond this old codependent, counterdependent dance. We're looking at the idea of partnership, and we've sort of laid out all of the components of a partnership relationship. And I think it's it's way beyond what we ever saw modeled in our families as we were growing up, which I think has been part of why it's hard for people to create it because we didn't have those models. So uh, that's another piece of compassion work here because if we realize that we're sort of charting new territory, then we can be a little bit more uh, kind to ourselves and not have such high expectations that we're going to get this right the first time because mm-hmm. I think we really have to play it out until we know that we're done with it before we can move on. So some of the things that we have seen that's really like the first element in um, – creating this partnership relationship is recognizing some of the unfinished business that is preventing us from having it. I think people have the picture of it, but the trying to play it out, you know, with a partner is more difficult. And I'd just like to share one of the big, big things that we discovered, and that is that the model for relationship comes from our first relationship with our mothers. So if people can think about, well, what was my relationship with my mother look like? How did I, how did I interact? Because she's really the, creates this template. So if we've had disruptions with her, it, with her, she wasn't attentive or if she was unavailable or if she was a helicopter mom and she hovered all the time and she invaded us, those kinds of things are really important in seeing some of the barriers that we bring into our Okay, let, let's look at both of those scenarios. Okay. If she was unavailable and maybe um, couldn't really get close. Yeah, well, um, I can tell you about that one. <laughs> okay, so what what would be the behaviors of the child? And then we'll go to the other side of that. Um, well, what, I've, what I found very early was, of course, my, my mother had another child when I was only 11 months old, and it, it disrupted so much of my development. But I think she was a person who worked all the time. I mean, she was just like a workaholic person, and every, all of her minutes were committed to things. And so I, I'm more comfortable with people who are not quite so available. That's what my first marriage was all mm-hmm. about. And when I married Barry, I thought, oh, golly, it's going to be so great to be with someone who you know, who's really present, and I just ran like a rabbit. I mean, the beginning of the book is my whole story about how I how I thought I was so available because I was with someone who wasn't, and then when I got a partner who could who could be present, then I saw, it's like I didn't have the, the hooks and eyes inside to receive love, that I did things to push him away, didn't I, Barry? You did, yeah. Very interesting. So if there was an unavailability there, then that's the tendency you go to. So it's not to the mother, to the father, it's to the mother. 
Yeah. Okay, what about the other now? Let's go to the other side, which well, is another big, the, the, the mother who hovers and is there every minute, almost like the stage mom. Well, that also, I think, is part of what causes counterdependency, because uh, someone who had an experience of being invaded yeah. and didn't have any personal kind of safety in the relationship, uh, and then in their adult relationships, is very cautious about getting close and, and always a fear that they're going to get invaded, they're going to lose themselves, uh, someone's going to try to control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then they, they always have sort of, they're, they're on guard, and they, they, they tend to avoid close, intimate situations where no one's in control, sort of, because then it's a, a fear that, oh, God, if no one's in control, uh, she is going to take control like my mother did. Mm-hmm. And and so none of this is often very conscious, but as you begin to help people understand their behavior and where it comes from, they begin to connect the, the dots and see it. Mm-hmm. All right, so you were talking about the mother. Well, how does the father play a role in all of this? I'll talk a little bit about that because I've, I've felt that is an important uh, part of parenting that's often overlooked, and the role of the father is extremely important, first of all, in the bonding even though the mo- the mother is uh, is the primary bonding agent, uh, the father has to also be very bonded because later, as the child then separates from the mother and becomes trying to become a, a separate individual, uh, the father plays a, cr- a crucial role in in giving the child support for that. And if there's no father there to support, no bonded father there to support the child in that separation stage, which is the counterdependent stage of development. Uh, then the child is stuck. They, they, they kind of say, okay, well, I'll, I don't have a father and my mother. I want to get away from her. I want to do it myself. And they do this kind of, uh, I'll act more adult than I really am and more grown up. And eventually people hit the wall and they can't, they can't make it happen. And then they, then they get scared and they run back and become codependent. So that's where the, this, this dance we see in relationships comes from, where people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to be independent. I'm not going to rely on anybody. I'll do it myself. And then they hit the wall, and then they say, my God, I'm going to need somebody Don't here. Don't you think, though, that everybody, almost everybody, has had some of that in their life, both? Right. And, oh, sure, and, of course. It's pretty normal. And, and, and we, we see that it, it becomes a problem when people uh, start to then uh, blame each other for those things when those things happen instead of understanding where they come from and see that it's just part of, of learning how to be in relationship with each other and learning how to uh, uh, you know, make a commitment to heal, help each other heal those things that, ha- that come up that, that cause disruptions in the relationship. I would say one of the biggest things that has served as sort of a, a glue agent in our relationship is that we have done so much healing work together. Mm-hmm. And the more that we were able to, you know, find out what it was that happened to the other person and to provide comfort and to provide nurturing and to help each other express feelings that we had repressed, the more free we were to really be with each other. So I would say the people who got married were much more repressed and, and not so present, even though that maybe the, this excitement was there. But now it's we feel so open with each other that we can you know, not have to hide parts of ourselves or worry about being hurt. So and let's talk think- about some, some other positive behaviors. Now you said one of the things is working together, doing some healing work together. 
Mm-hmm. That's something that brings you together. It mm-hmm. does. What are some other good behaviors? Well, we, we see that uh, as people are able to tell the truth uh, about their own behavior, feelings, and needs uh, in the relationship, then they find that they get their needs met. They have their chance to air their feelings in a safe environment, and they feel more relaxed and, and, and willing to then uh, go the next step in the relationship. And we also find that people... Um, need to redefine what intimacy means. Because typically people enter a relationship and they define intimacy as all those gushy, warm, close times when we're just, nothing's in the way and we just are feeling like very bonded to each other. And that happens very often early in the relationship. But then uh, problems come uh, up to the surface and some of these unhealed traumas start to show up and there are conflicts. But we also say that that is an opportunity for intimacy as well. And so, as Janae said, when you can begin to help each other heal these traumas and work together cooperatively to listen to each other's feelings and help uh, get the unmet needs met that were met uh, that weren't met in childhood, it it develops a very deep kind of uh, bonding mm-hmm. and intimacy that you don't get when you just have the warm and close times. We actually discovered uh, what we call depth intimacy because most people uh, associate intimacy with what I would call like peak experiences. But when we have helped each other through different kinds of healings, what we found is a place for like our souls touch. And that has been actually more gratifying than some of the things that you would ex- normally associate, you know, you know, some kind of peak sexual experiences. But those places where our hearts touch and our souls fuse have been so powerful that, uh, you know, it's really, I think, even changed our DNA or something because mm. we just never, either of us, experienced the kind of love that we felt when we've been able to go into those deep healing mm. points. The other thing that happens in relationship is that most people, uh, we see that most adults haven't finished their, uh, what we call their uh, psychological birth or the individuation that happens at the end of the, code, the counterdependency stage. And so uh, they may enter the relationship and they have some codependent issues that they work out, but they work those out. And then there's a need to kind of complete the, the separation. And that's a tricky uh, uh, stage to, to work through as adults because... The partner wants to now venture out and become more independent, uh, explore maybe new uh, ideas and, and talents and skills that they hadn't hadn't done before, and and so it can be a threat to the to the other partner unless they understand that this is just a matter of finishing what didn't get finished early on, and if if they get the kind of support they need from each other, each of them can take turns in, in finishing that, and that. I think is is a, a process that once people have reached that, uh, I, what I talk about is uh, going on internal power instead of having to rely on external mm-hmm. power. In other words, having to look around for and get your cues from what other people think of you and how they're reacting to you and be able to then take those cues mm-hmm. and get those cues from inside yourself. All right, we're going to take a break. My guests are Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, authors of The Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, The Other Side of Codependency. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. We're talking about relationships today. We're talking about why we often fly away from intimacy, either being counter-dependent or codependent. My guests are Janae Weinhold, Ph.D., and her husband, Barry Weinhold, both Ph.D.s, who've written a book, The Flight from Intimacy, Healing the Relationship, Healing Your Relationship of Counter-Dependency, which is the other side of codependency. Dr. Janae and Barry Weinhold have served for over five decades as licensed mental health professionals. Barry is a licensed psychologist, and Janae is a professional counselor. They are authors of Breaking Free of the Codependency Trap, a classic on codependency that has sold over 85,000 copies. And their website is wineholds.org, W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S.org. Okay, welcome back, Barry and Janae. And there's still time to call in, folks, at 866-472-5788. You know, we have a few minutes left, and what I want to ask you are what do you think are the kernels of what people need to do. Now, remember, they have to want the relationship. You know, if they're in the middle of affairs and they want to push the person away and they don't want the relationship, that's one thing. But if they really want something to work in their life, give us some uh, practical things we can do on a daily basis. 
Well, what we found that's been very effective in our own relationship and also in the with working with other couples is about closing the exit. If there's anything that'll sort of uh, show what needs to be done, it, I mean, it's partly that's partly comes from commitment, but it will also make the relationship safer. And we've just found it very, very difficult for people who have a more casual kind of relationship to do this deeper kind of work. There's something about closing the exits that say, okay, this is the relationship. We're going to work it through. You're the one I'm going to work it through with. We don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but this is our commitment. And out of that, something deeper opens. There's some, like I said, some kind of safety that allow people to say, okay, well, if, if the other person's not going to leave me, then I can say this. I can okay, but what about ask for that? What about if it's really something tough, like I'm having an affair or I've had an affair or I've been unfaithful to you? Well, I can tell you we had a lot of couple clients come to us, and it was so interesting. You know, when all the the uh, publicity about um, Bill Clinton and his Mona Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky thing and, and, you know, Hillary and he having this big confrontation, we had all these couples parading through our practice, and that was exactly the issue. And what we do is we put it in, again, that framework of what's right about this. Yes, you're both wounded. Yes, one of you feels very betrayed, but something is trying to happen in this relationship. And what we were able to help people see is that the person who's having the relationship is often trying to show the partner that the relationships become too confining, that there is a need in there of the person usually who's having the affair to to want to have a stronger sense of self. And maybe they're just unskilled or they're unconscious, but there is something right about what people are doing. And when we can put it in that framework, it shifts something. Mm-hmm. And also, if we look, we help them look at this as a part of what was unfinished as they went through the counterdependency stages. As they tried to separate from their mother, you know, in the relationship, they looked for somebody out there to give them support so they could do that. So that's often what is re- behind why men, and, and sometimes why women have their affairs, is that they're looking for that other person to give them support to, to complete this kind of normal, natural separation process. Or maybe understand a part of themselves that has been hidden. Yeah, yeah, and also to, to become more able to be their own person. And they, yeah. they, they find they aren't able to do that, and, and they, they, they hit the wall whenever they try, and so they decide, that, well, I'm going to have an affair, and, and I'll, I'll get with somebody else, and maybe I'll get the support I need to find that missing piece in myself that then uh, sometimes they even think, and then I can bring it back to my relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, what we discovered is that people can have many kinds of affairs. Most people think that one partner is off having a sexual relationship with another person, but we found out there's all kinds of ways to have an affair. You can have an affair with a sports addiction. You can have an, an, an affair with shopping. You can have an affair by going off and developing some hobby or going back to school. But they're or exercising all, is yeah. another one right now. So these are all things that take the person out of the, the constraints mm-hmm. that a codependent kind of relationship puts on at least one of the partners, one who maybe just is needing more space. And so a lot of it we say is unskilled behavior. We don't. We try to get away from the blame and the shame and all that, and say, "Well, you're just lacking the skills to to, 
to be able to find this. But sometimes, people. Barry and Janae, it, there may be a need to move away from that relationship and get That's, into something else. Yeah, we, we basically try to define it early on when we're working with couples. Uh, are we going to be doing marriage counseling or divorce counseling? And I think couples need, sometimes they need one or the other, and the quicker we can find that out, the better we can then move on and, and help them with that process. We actually came up with a, a, a diagnostic procedure that we can do in about an hour and a half, and it's mostly movement and without a lot of words. It kind of like cuts to the chase of what's trying to happen, and from that we could tell then, okay, here's what the trauma is, here are the issues that have came, come in from the past, and here's what's trying to happen. And when we could, we've had maybe, I don't know, less than a handful of couples where they really were trying to get divorced, and it was so clear early on. So we didn't waste a lot of time trying to glue the thing back together. Mm-hmm. We always say we're not in the business of saving marriages. We're in the business of helping people get clear. Yeah, which is so important. Well, look at the recent scandal with Elliot Spitzer. I mean, I think that shook a lot of people. And particularly because of the of the sort of hypocrisy of, you know, um, punishing other people for what he was doing. Right. Uh-huh. That, that's often part of the defense system that people have is that they project it out on other people, although they have their own kind of mm-hmm. issues. That if people get one thing out of this program on the flight from intimacy mm-hmm. for both of you, what is your message, Janae? Well, I would say that most people run away from intimacy because they've been traumatized. Now, that's a really short and sweet thing, but when you connect the flight from intimacy with the fact that I got hurt, then I'm not a bad person. I'm not doing anything that I want to harm my partner. It's that there is something about myself that maybe I don't know that's causing it, but it's not because I really am a mean or hurtful person. And the other thing that's related to that is that probably the most, the single most uh, important barrier to to get through is the willingness to uh, feel your feelings and express them. Most people will avoid those at all costs, and that's where they get into doing a lot of other kind of addictive things, uh, the addictive shopping or the affair or whatever, because they're afraid to feel their feelings because mm-hmm. somehow that when they felt their feelings as a child, it was overwhelming, and so they they have this kind of mindset that, boy, if I let my feeling, real feelings out, uh, either I will fall apart and I'll die or I will explode and I'll be so angry I might kill someone. So there's a, a, a over kind of uh, uh, exaggeration of what, what uh, our, my feelings are, and, mm-hmm. and we just then do all kinds of things to avoid feeling them, and that's mm-hmm. what gets people in the most trouble. All right. We're going to have to close. It's been wonderful to have you both on. If people want to know more, they would log on to your website, wineholds.org. Is that correct? That's right. right. Okay. And my guests today have been Janae Weinhold and Barry Weinhold, PhDs. Their book is Flight from Intimacy, Healing Your Relationship of Counterdependency, The Other Side of Codependency. And I just want to say, folks, that this is a very important topic. We all struggle with relationships. And and anything that we can gain from trying to become clear about who we are and what we want, we can bring that to our relationships. As I always say when I close the show, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Monday and a great week.
You've been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com.